Welcome to the Unfuck Your Health podcast, where we get into all things training, nutrition, mindset, and help you unfuck your health. I'm your host, Brevin Jandrew. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Unfuck Your Health podcast. Today, I'm joined with a really special guest who's actually my very first coach, Kenny Lifton. How are you doing today? Oh, doing really well. It's great to see you again, Brevin. It's, it's great to see you too. It's been a long time, but I, I've, I've shouted you guys out on a couple episodes before on, on how you guys really changed a lot of things for me. So I think it's, it's a cool thing. And, and I get to say thank you to you guys for being my first coaches. Oh, well, damn. You know, it, you're, it's been an, it was an honor, obviously, to coach you. And it's, it's really cool to see you do this. Like, it's, it's interesting because our relationship was, you know, you checking in. But now, you know, you're a full-blown coach and you have your own podcast. It's like, this is cool. Like, this is fun. <laughs> the, the kid's finally growing up. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, you're fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Well, for those of you who don't know, can you share us a little bit about your story? Who is Kenny? Yeah. Uh, so I am uh, the head coach, along with my wife, who's also a head coach uh, for Full Effort Coaching. Uh, so we are, I guess you would call like hybrid coaches. So we deal with physique transformations along with this functional health as well. Um, and in terms of my story, man, that's a, that's a long one. Um, I was a cyclist. I was a competitive cyclist before getting into lifting. I've uh, been an athlete my whole life. Um, so the goal at basically before lifting was to go pro at cycling uh got hit by a car unfortunately on a training ride which basically ended my career and during that time um i was introduced to the gym by my wife sarah um and then uh, in terms of like my like education i was in the physical therapy field for a little bit um was gonna go to uh become a full-blown physical therapist uh but during my time in the field there were t- there were a couple things I didn't really uh, like, uh, especially in regards to how things were run from a practitioner standpoint. Not that the actual practices were bad, but more so um, just how insurance was involved, and it, it just wasn't uh, my cup of tea. I wanted to do more, and really, honestly, I, I was like I said, an athlete my whole life, so. I was in physical therapy in physical therapy offices most of my young life because I was just constantly getting injured, um, and I wanted to do more so the, I guess, preventative side as opposed to the real rehabilitative side, just to prevent people from actually going into the office because being injured sucks ass. It fucking blows. Uh, <laughs> and if you're able to, you know, learn how to be healthy and just sustain that health, then I believe you can live a very happy and fruitful life. It's so funny how many people, because I have the a very, very similar stories, how like I got into coaching as far as the physical therapy route. It's funny how many coaches you talk to are like, oh, I wanted the physical therapy because it's like, it's, it's cool. Like for me, it was like, I get to be a doctor without having to do as many years of school and I get to do like exercise stuff. And then I was like doing my internship and I was like, God, this, like I could barely do anything because of the insurance stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. In fact, I was at a, I don't know, I don't know uh, what were you, were you, uh, you know, worked at or anything, but I was in the hospital for a little bit. And I just remember this one girl came in and she had tore her uh, quad, one of her quad tendons. And uh, I guess she was driving a Jeep and the Jeep had some sort of like metal, like a uh, shard sticking out of it. She got into a, a basically rear ended somebody, uh, went forward, rear metal shard cut her open. But she came, she couldn't get an appointment for, I think it was like six months after she had the initial uh, checkup. So it was just like, at that point, it's like, holy crap, you're, you're pretty much like you're the road to recovery is so fucked. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it just, 
yeah, it, it just was not very fun um, because I, I, I do like to see people win and, you know, it was hard. It was very, very hard to see that. So, um, yeah, physical therapy, love it. Love the people that do it, obviously. And But I do wish there was more room to do more, I guess, if that makes sense. No, for sure. And and even if you go like private practice where you don't necessarily take as much insurance, then it's just it, no one can afford it. It's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 interesting for sure. Uh, definitely on the preventative side is a lot, lot more freedom for sure. Oh yeah. So talk talk a little bit about your your transition from cycling injury into to lifting. Yeah. Um. So. Cycling, again, was like a – and just, you know, like sport as a whole, like exercise, whatever it may be, whether it's cycling, lifting, walking, swimming, whatever it may be that you like, um, all of it is obviously going to hold a certain benefit. But when it, come, when it came down to just, I would say, overall longevity and overall health, uh, weightlifting does hold a certain significance behind it, especially with building muscle and – Quite honestly, um, when I got into lifting, it reminded me very much of cycling in the sense that there is a lot of intensity involved with it. There's a lot of focus that's involved with it. And cycling, um, especially from a competitive standpoint, is very brutal. It's a very brutal sport. Um, A lot of uh, strategies involved. Um, But with lifting, the same kind of concept is there. And the intensity that you're able to put out, it's, it's almost like you, you have full reign over how much effort you're able to put in, how much results you're able to get out of it. It, It's a unique sport in the sense that your mindset plays a gigantic role with it. And and cycling was very much the same thing. So uh, I just fell in love with it immediately. And I just, you know, just basically became obsessed with it and eventually became a coach um, and started coaching other people. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's definitely my favorite thing to do. I would say that for sure. But that's awesome. Now, yeah, this, you, this is definitely a little bit selfish for me instead of the listeners, but like how, how hard is it to go pro in cycling? Like what is professional cycling? Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it's extremely hard. It's, it's, it's hard. It's just as hard as any sort of the sport. Um, I know, cycling it, it, athletes are absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's fun. So like the tour de France was just on, uh, jo- I, and for those that are listening, Jonas Vinegard, he just won. He's from, uh, I believe he's from Denmark. I, I'm, I may be wrong on that, but, uh, professional cycling and just cycling as a whole, it, there's different categories. So there's cat one, cat two, all the way to cat five. And usually you begin at cat five and then you make your way down to cat one, cat one being essentially pro. And then at that point you can go either race in the continental United States and then be picked up from a team from there. But if you're really good, like super good, then you'll be picked up by an international team where you'll start to race in different parts of the world. Um, so there were only a few Americans in the tour of France, for example, and that's like the that's like the ultimate pinnacle of cycling. Yeah, the one everyone that is, knows. Yeah, it's like you, that is the best. Like if you win a stage, so there's 21 stages in the Tour de France, and if you win one stage, it is like a lifelong career win. Like you will go down in history, like in winning a Tour de France stage. And if you win the whole thing, then you're considered one of the greatest cyclists to ever you know live. It's like only very few people can do it. Um, so it's very hard. It's it's extremely hard. But I was. You know, I really was going to, I was all in. I wanted to dedicate my life to it. Um, 
And yeah, I just, I was hugely obsessed with it. And quite honestly, if I didn't uh, get hit by a car, I honestly would be probably, if I didn't go pro cycling, I probably would own my own bike shop and just sell bikes and just do that sort of thing. Maybe even coach cycling, who knows? But yeah. So I, I'm really curious then. So your your entire identity, it sounds like, was wrapped up in, in becoming the cyclist and, and that really ended, it sounds like, very abruptly. Can we can you talk a little bit about how that identity change um, or, or the struggles in that identity change going from your whole life being that you were going to be the professional cycler to now you are a, a coach? Yeah, it was hard. Um, it was very, very hard because it really was, I would say, definitely a huge part of my identity. Um, and it, when it did abruptly end, um, honestly, I was kind of lost. I didn't know what to do because uh, I was an athlete my whole entire life. And I really did want to be involved in some sort of athletic, um, I guess, discipline, whether it was to be the literal athlete or to you know, be someone who helped the athlete. So during that time when I couldn't really ride, I, I dabbled in running because I was a, basically an endurance athlete. And for a little while, um, you know, running was okay, but it just wasn't the same. Um, and then uh, Sarah was doing the gym. Like that was her thing. Uh, she wasn't really into road cycling, uh, which is what I did. And went to the gym with her. We actually did a, a challenge by Katie Hearn. Uh, it was okay. like, this is when she was first starting out. So my first experience with the gym was literally with uh, a challenge with Katie Hearn. And I just remember um, thinking, oh, it's the challenge. I want to win, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the lifting started. And I, it was the same type of feeling that I got with cycling because with cycling, the pain's always going to be there. Like it's, it's about who can handle the most pain and is willing to push through it. Because at the end of the day, you know, a race is either you quit and you lose the race or you continue to go into the pain and hopefully you try to win. And with, with lifting, um, I brought that mindset with me and it's what allowed me to, I would say, you know, get strong and build a lot of muscle. But most importantly, I think it was, um, really seeing how my body was able to change. It was dramatically different than what a cyclist body looks like. And, you know, with, with the, with the cyclist body, it, it, it's really, really thin. I mean, we're talking like, super thin like a like a long distance runner just because you're keeping only the necessary tissue that you need for the bike whereas with lifting now you're causing hypertrophy you're building more muscle and a lot of things were you know starting to happen as well in terms of not just my physical change but my strength my confidence my energy levels all of it um and it just was very it was very eye-opening for me um in terms of what the body was able to do so I was more so intrigued with it more than anything. And I think that intrigue uh, basically turned into a passion. And yeah, and then I just basically took the mindset that I had with cycling and put it into this and and then eventually became a, yeah, became a full-time career. So will, it just kind I of organically happened. I will tell everyone that he definitely brought that intensity into coach and he used to kick my ass all the time. Those are some of the hardest gym sessions I've ever had, but it was definitely worth it. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, I I really, I I think it's interesting that you started out with the challenge and and I would love to know kind of your progression through how you approach the gym and and kind of the different stages you've gone through in the gym, going from where you started as a kind of a challenge person, not really being into the gym, not really lifting to where you are now. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I would say that the intensity 
Well, like, where do I start with this? Because the lot has changed, um, like a lot. I know, it's uh, a very loaded question. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's a good question. Um, so uh, I would say that the, the, biggest, the, the biggest takeaway that I had was seeing, and this is just, this kind of stems from physical therapy and, again, being kind of an athlete my entire life and a lot of the consistency that you put towards something, whether it's your career, whether it's a you know, goal, yeah, consistency will eventually lead to you succeeding. And the challenge was fun because it was new. It was exciting. It was an introductory thing to the gym. And I think, I think challenges are actually great in that regard. Like if you're, you know, perhaps you're on the, the, you're on the edge of like, well, do I do it? Do I not do it? A challenge can be the one thing that could get you into something that you may actually fall in love with. But the, the cha- but challenges as a whole, uh, I would say, are just there, at least in my opinion, to just be more than anything like an introductory thing. Whereas fitness, if you really are serious about it, um, it should be a, a lifestyle more than anything. And I think that's what really changed over the years for me. So like when you when I coached you, for example, the, the workouts were very, very intense. It was very much hypertrophy focused. Um, and you know, with hypertrophy, you do want to be intense. You want to stimulate the muscle to a, to a high degree enough where it is going to grow. But at the same time, there tends to be this, I would say, and I was locked in a box. I I will admit that, that I, you know, was locked in a box in terms of what I believed and, you know, what I thought was right. But with fitness, it's a very open-ended concept. It's a very subjective concept. There's a lot of ways to go about it. And I would say what has changed is that intensity, as great as it is, sometimes it can inadvertently be bad. Um, so for example, you know, people who, and, and again, this was me when I first started, you know, cause I was in love with the gym. I was going to the gym like six days a week, sometimes even seven. Cause I was like, Oh, and I, and actually I did two a days at some point. Cause I was like, damn, this is fun. Right. And I thought more is better. Might as well squeeze out another session. If I got time to do it instead of playing video games or something. And the discipline was there. It was, you know, obviously there, but the, mis- but the understanding behind what the benefit of, the gym actually is wasn't there um it's not as simple as i'm gonna go and the more i do this the better it's going to result in it's really more about quality versus quantity and i would say that for example like my life as someone who doesn't have kids um and has five cats right um versus someone who does have kids whether it's one kid or multiple kids is going to be dramatically different and I cannot expect someone who has, you know, a, a family to be able to dish out as much time as I do at the gym, right? So it's not necessarily about the quantity, but it's more so about the quality of your workouts and also making sure that you're recovering well enough. Um, so I would say my approach has gone from just basically killing yourself in the gym to having a more holistic approach and for longevity purposes. No, I think that's awesome. Definitely. Uh, I've seen the transition even going from like the all out like balls to the wall to like you still train really hard, but you're you're way more recovery focused. And like, I feel like that's how the industry's really shifted. I think it's been a really cool thing to see. So how do we know when 
we are getting more quality or quantity? Like, how do we start to differentiate? Like, what is quality time spent in the gym? Yeah, I would say so. If we're talking strictly about weightlifting, like this, is, let's just assume whoever's listening to this is lifting weights. The first thing you want to focus on is your repetition. So, in the gym, we can obviously partake in different exercises, whether it's an upper body exercise, a lower body exercise, it really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, what you're doing with the weight and how you're moving that weight is going to dictate your overall quality. And in terms of how to know whether it is good quality or not is a couple things. Uh, and the main thing would be your tempo. So for example, you know, when we lift, we're moving against gravity. And that weight that you're holding is is heavy because of gravity. And so if we're holding a dumbbell and you're just swinging that weight up and down, just kind of going through it as fast as you can, then we have to ask, what is your goal, right? Like, is your goal just to become more powerful, like explosive? Or is your goal to become more muscular? Like, you're, are you trying to perhaps gain both? So there's two parts of the range. Well, there's, there's four parts of the range of motion, but two main parts. You have the eccentric, which is when your muscle is going into an elongated state. So it's stretching. So anytime you move with gravity, so your weight is going down, you're typically going to have an eccentric portion. Or the other part is the concentric portion, which is when you start to basically take that lengthened muscle and start to shorten it. So lifting the weight against gravity. And there, those two parts of the range of motion, if you want to maximize the quality, you want to ideally have a, and this is again for muscle building and just overall longevity, uh, have a slow eccentric. So like a two to three control, two to three second controlled eccentric, right? Um, and then a powerful concentric where you do explode. And if you're able to do that, then you start to enhance your mind-muscle connection. And mind-muscle connection, all that is, is basically just how well are you able to send a signal to your from your mind to your body? In other words, are you able to control that muscle very, very well to a high degree? Is your stability very high? If it's not, and you feel like you're kind of unstable when lifting weights, then slowing down your tempo can increase your mind-muscle connection. And so when it comes down to like volume, how many reps you can do and how many sets you can do, those are all kind of complementary to the quality of your rep. So if your rep is good, then basically everything that follows suit is only going to complement that quality. Um, so I would say that is the main thing when it comes down to determining whether your reps are quality or not quality. And then you can get into intensity and all that stuff. Yeah. So can you touch a little bit on why tempo is beneficial or why controlling the eccentric is beneficial, beneficial for hypertrophy? Yeah. So most of the damages that occur in a muscle belly are going to happen when the muscle is stretching and a lot of the, and the stimulus for, uh, the growth, just general, you know, stress, this just the stress response, um, for the muscle is happening on the eccentric. So when we go, when we go to the gym, the gym is basically you're, you're exchanging, um, you're exchanging stress for some sort of adaptation. So your body quite literally gets stronger or can get stronger from stress. Um, so for example, if you, if you get sick and you heal from that sickness, your body now has antibodies 
for that sickness, just to make you more powerful, to make you more resilient. Same kind of concept happens in the gym where you're going there to literally stress your body out in order to become stronger, more muscular, perhaps even leaner. So when we're going to the gym, um, we want to make sure that the stress levels are high enough to stimulate muscular growth, but not so high that we're literally annihilating ourselves. So when you're doing eccentric lifts and you're controlling the eccentric portion of your lifts, that stress response is a lot higher. And also you're making your body a lot more resilient towards potential injury because a lot of injuries occur on the eccentric. So the, the, when you contract a muscle, it's more metabolic, meaning that it's more fuel-based. Um, and this is like more muscular endurance. And a lot of people love to just, you know, contract the muscle. They love to flex or whatever. They, a lot of people like to think like that's the most important part. It does play an important part, but for overall like injury prevention, muscular growth, like the eccentric portion is actually where you want to spend most of your time, in my opinion. Do you ever manipulate any of the concentric portion of the lift? Yeah, sometimes. So, uh, and again, this is going to be more so like the overall goal, right? So for example, um, if we're trying to become more powerful, then maybe adding a band or some, or maybe even using a cable um, on the concentric portion of the lift. Or if you're someone who, you know, maybe is, is in between certain weights, like let's say um, you're, you're at a home gym or something like that, and, and you don't have enough weight to literally challenge yourself, right? Um, you can use a band as well to make the concentric portion a lot harder. Um, and then also you could manipulate the concentric portion to make that mind muscle connection a lot better as well. Um, so uh, something I used to, used to love to do was actually uh, banded bench presses. Like I used to love that because I would get stuck pushing that weight back up. Like my eccentric was, was, was great, but my concentric, my power, you know, power, my power output sucked ass. So yeah, the, the band helps a lot with that. Um, so there, there is, you know, definitely different benefits to the different ranges of motion. Um, they're all, they're all important, but I would say the eccentrics probably, in my opinion, again, like the most beneficial when it comes down to enhancing the rest of your movements. For sure. So now I'm convinced that I need to go to the gym now. I, I want to exercise. I want to start lifting weights and I'm going to really focus on controlling those reps. I want to backtrack a little bit to to something you touched on earlier about how you are someone who who doesn't have kids, who doesn't have, you. yes, you're a business owner, but you don't have kids. You don't have those other responsibilities. Like you have more flexibility in your life. How does that person, the other person that you mentioned who who might have five kids instead of five cats, how do they start in fitness? How do they get started to, to make this lifestyle change to get into lifting? Oh man, I would say, you know, honestly, um, the, first off, I would say, you know, don't get too caught up with the idea that you have to be perfect. Um, that's a, that's a concept that's pretty stupid in my opinion, honestly. Um, and I understand. So there's, there's a difference between being, I guess, flexibly disciplined versus, um, just flat out lazy. Right. Um, 
So for example, if this is something that you're just adding into your schedule and you don't even know if that, if this initial schedule is going to even work, right? Like give yourself some grace with it. Maybe start out with two days per week and see how it goes. And then when you're at the gym, and again, a lot of people, well, it tends to be the case that some people will have, uh, I guess, gym intimidation, right? Just know that everyone begins somewhere, right? And with our body and with, again, someone who's new, this is a pretty cool spot to be in, even though it may feel like a spot that you're lost. Um, your body is very, very sensitive to to change. And when you're brand new to the gym, it's actually a really, really fun time because your progress can be very, very quick. But again, just know that when you are trying to get into fitness, it's something that should be integrated into your lifestyle, not necessarily not necessarily something that you should view as you trying to literally take your entire life and try to fit it into that. Um, it should be something that's complementary to your life. And when it comes down to hitting the gym, I would say that you know two days, three days is actually a really great place to be uh, for most people, even four days. Uh, going to the gym. And, and, you know, I rarely train five days anymore, uh, like rarely. And in fact, if very few of my clients will train five days per week just because it's more so about, at least in my opinion, you know, living a life that's fairly balanced. And I think a lot of people who do begin in the gym believe they have to go all the time just because that's what's kind of pushed and that's not the case at all. Um, so I would say, you know, give yourself some grace. Just ease, ease yourself into it and allow yourself to uh, just gradually get better with going to the gym and also getting comfortable with lifting weights. It, it, it's something that it does, it, it's not very complicated unless you make it complicated. Um, and a lot of social media today, unfortunately, makes it seem like it's very, very complicated, but it's not. So, so how would you break down, uh, let's call it like the, the hierarchy of what's the most important couple things that you should really focus on when you're first starting out in the gym, you're, you're getting in there, you know, you want to do it. Where should I put my focus? Man, honestly. So if, if I were to advise someone, uh, again, this is someone who has a very, just like their own life, maybe there were, you know, responsibilities outside the gym, I would say, sit down and make a schedule and list out your priorities, right? Maybe your priority is taking kids to daycare or perhaps, you know, going to, you know, going to work at a certain shift or whatever it may be. And then finding gaps in your, in your schedule where you could potentially fit the gym in. And once you make that schedule and you see those gaps, you know, commit to maybe a day or two days of the week see how it goes. See, see if, even if you, let's see if you even like the gym, it may not even be the case. You like the gym, right? Maybe you like yoga. Maybe you like bike riding, or maybe you like doing something outside. Um, exercise as a whole is, is, is beneficial. Um, weightlifting, the only reason I speak about it and the reason I choose it for my clients is that it, it tends to, it tends to offer the most bang, 
uh, for your buck when it comes down to just general longevity. But that does not mean that other forms of exercise are not beneficial. Um, but once you do have those guy, those uh, time gaps, commit yourself, like literally commit yourself to going to the gym, make it so that you go, give it a shot. And then once you do find that, hey, this is okay, and I can do this, then I would say the hierarchy from there is to make sure that one, um, recovery, right? Like making, making sure that you can actually handle your day-to-day priorities along with literally going to the gym. And just know it may be hard in the beginning. Your energy levels will actually elevate because of you, of you becoming more active. So in the beginning, it may be hard, but know that your energy levels will actually become better and better and better as you go to the gym more consistently. And then I would say beyond that, um, it's your, your nutrition. Um, so nutrition, not necessarily counting macros, but more so, um, and macros are, are very helpful, but I would say more so just quality of food, uh, making sure that you're getting enough protein in, making sure that you're not eating highly processed foods, you know, maybe start incorporating more fruits and veggies, more whole foods into your diet and see how that goes. Cause that can make a ginormous change in just your overall health and progress. Um, and then beyond that, just simply getting better at incorporating those things, because naturally you're going to get stronger when you go to the gym. Naturally, you're going to become, you know, more, um, coordinated when you go to the gym. And then the more you decide to eat certain foods, the more it becomes a habit and it just organically becomes that. Uh, so I would say that would be the hierarchy, at least in my opinion, for someone who's literally just starting out. Um, and then allow yourself to organically just, you know, do your thing. Like maybe start to expand to three days per week or even four days per week. Uh, the one, the one thing I would say, um, is just to, again, you know, don't, don't feel like you have to go to the gym every day. And most importantly, also understand that each week is probably going to be different. Like even if you have a schedule, things can happen. And if you have to miss, you know, the gym on a certain day because of other, life priorities, then don't beat yourself up. Like literally, um, just, just know that the gym, if you miss it, it, it's not going to destroy your gains. It's when you consistently decide to not go to the gym and not exercise consistently, that's when things can start going awry. But when you do have a few days off and you still make, you know, and you still go the other days you can go, you're still going to make progress. It, it, it quite literally, it's 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 quality over quantity. Like you simply going to the gym and providing that stimulus, like that 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 feeling, literally that feeling of lifting weights, doing cardio, whatever it may be. That that is going to literally change, allow your body to change. And as long as those consistent efforts are compounding week after week, irrelevant of how it looks, it might be messy in the beginning then know that eventually, yes, you, you are going to make progress. Your body doesn't really know that, oh, shit, you know, Brevin missed Monday. Fuck that guy. We're going, we're, we're just going to throw everything out. You know, like. <laughs> done. Start over. <laughs> done. Start over. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't happen like at all. So, but, uh, you know, it tends to be the case that uh, even myself included, when I first started, uh, believe that. And it's not the case. No, I love all of that. I agree with every single thing you said there. Um, one thing that you've touched on a couple times during this episode so far is recovery. I would like you to talk a little bit more about like what does recovery actually mean? Why is recovery really important? And how do you optimize your recovery? How do you make sure you're recovering enough? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So everyone's life's going to be different, obviously, right? And some people have higher levels of stress than others. Some people might have a very relaxed life. And when it comes down to stress, stress is, it can be anything. It can be good. It can be bad. Just know that irrelevant to where that stress is coming from, your body cannot discern the difference between the form of stress. So for example, uh, exercise is a form of stress. Getting yelled at by your boss is a, is a form of stress. And the two of them together, or I guess in the, interdependently, will both release the same hormone, which is cortisol. And, and cortisol you know, tends to get a bad rap. Um, it's, it, we call it the, high, the Jekyll and Hyde hormone because it can be good and it can be bad. Uh, cortisol, it, it's quite literally necessary for your survival. Um, it's what allows our body to break down energy and, and use that energy. But when you have too much stress going on, then that's when it can become problematic. Uh, cortisol, when it, when it does get released, it's going to send off the flight or fight response, right? So in the gym, for example, you're, you're basically having a fight or flight response. You're, you're just choosing to fight. You know, your, 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 your fight is you lifting the weights or, or, or doing cardio. Whereas maybe if you get yelled at, yelled, yelled at by your boss, you might go into flight. You might start panicking like, holy shit, am I going to get fired? You know, is, is this it? Am I going to whatever, have to look for another job? Um, but if we have too much stress, there's a certain threshold that our body has. And it's a, it's a proverbial ceiling. Uh, and we, we can call this proverbial ceiling like a stress management ceiling. And so when you experience stress and it's right below that ceiling, this is what allows that ceiling to gradually become higher and higher. For example, you may get more muscular. You might get stronger. You, your immune system might go up. So the ceiling is, is getting higher and higher as you're exposing your body to stress. But if, for whatever reason, you start having lots of stress, like more stress than you're normally used to, and that stress level starts to literally bump into that ceiling, it, it might even go beyond the threshold, right? And, and when that happens, your body can start responding in ways that aren't, aren't necessarily good. And usually it can manifest in poor sleep. It can manifest in anxiety. You may start having acne. Um, maybe your digestion starts to suck. Maybe you're having loose stool. Um, or maybe you have brain fog. You're getting more frequent headaches. For, and if it's bad enough, you know, if you're a female, your, your period might start to get affected where maybe you're getting lighter and lighter periods, or maybe they're becoming more infrequent, or maybe they just disappear as a whole. With, with stress, we don't ever want it to be so high. And, uh, and I think a lot of people, unfortunately, you know, and, and as human beings, we have emotional associations, right? Like I, I love working out, Brevin, you love working out. I think a lot of people love working out because acutely when you work out, it, it literally releases endorphins. You feel fucking amazing <laughs> when you work out, but it's, it's an acute response, meaning that it, it just happens temporarily. And ideally when you're done with working out, your energy levels, your mood, your just overall well-being, it, it should be be pretty stable, right? Like you may come down from the workout high, but you shouldn't come down so hard that you're literally crashing in energy. You're, you know, uh, just 
just feeling like like just like a piece of shit. Like you don't you don't want to you don't want to feel that way. Um, so when it comes down to recovery, it, it, I think it's I think it's about having clarity behind like the beauty of what it means to like what 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 actually happens when you work out. So when you're working out, you're quite literally just stimulating change, right? But the change that you're hoping for is not going to happen in the actual moment of exercise. It's going to happen when you're you're done. So for example, like whether you're just Netflixing and just sitting on the couch doing nothing or you're getting sleep or maybe you're reading a book, like in those moments outside of the exercise, that's when your body is actively recovering. And that is really, really important. And the way you would know if you are getting enough recovery is if you are actually progressing while also feeling good. So whether you're getting stronger, whether you're getting faster running, whether your mood's getting elevated, maybe your libido's going up, maybe your appetite's starting to go up, maybe your clothes are starting to feel different. Like these are all signifiers that you're recovering enough and you're progressing in the manner that you want. But the way you would know if you're not recovering enough is if your body starts to go a direction that you don't necessarily want. Um, and again, it, it can manifest in many different ways, but um, th- I guess that's how you would technically, you know, just symptomatically know if you're not recovering enough. No, that's awesome. I don't, I don't think enough people talk about how important recovery is and it is, it's half of the equation and no one talks about it or I feel like not enough people talk about it. So um, kind of going off of that. So say you're the person who, who is under recovery, eating 1200 calories, working out six days a week, constantly going, going, going to the really stressful lifestyle. How do you start to, to reverse that and get into a positive recovery state instead of a negative recovery state? Yeah, I would say, and so for example, if you really are eating very little calories, right? We have to ask ourselves, like, why is it that you're eating that little calories? Is there, is it the belief that you have to eat very little in order to lose fat? Or maybe, you know, you have a bad relationship with food. You know, it it could be, it could be a very complicated answer. Um, But with someone who is eating very little and doesn't quite understand that energy, like food as a whole is energy and your body, like a factory, um, in order to keep operational needs literal energy to do that. Um, I would say that one, we would want to make sure that our relationship with food is, is a good one, a healthy one. Um, and kind of seeing food, not only as, as a potential experience. So for example, uh, I love food. Um, I think food is amazing. Um, my favorite foods are ramen, sushi, and steak. And I can tell all you right solid. Now, all <laughs> solid, yeah. And I can tell you right now that, you know, all three of those types of foods, along with, you know, anything that, you know, you may like that's different, are all forms of energy and can totally be part of a very successful diet and very successful lifestyle that gives you results. So I would say that one, making sure your relationship with food is is healthy and good. Um, and then two, gradually eating more food um, each week, or perhaps as you're able to handle. So, for example, um, you want to make you don't ever want to stuff your face, but you want to make sure that you are definitely um, supplying your body with with adequate energy. So, 
uh, protein, carbs, and fats. You know, these are these are three types of macronutrients, and all of them are beneficial. Not 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 one of them should be demonized, even though it tends to be the case that there are diets out there that do demonize them. Um, each one literally plays, you know, a very important physiological role, and you do you do you well, you know, ideally you should have all three in your diet. Um, protein, quite literally, is the building block of your muscle bellies, but it's also essential for pretty much every, nearly every physiological, you know, system and, and process in your body, uh, literally. And then carbs, you know, carbs so, tend to be demonized pretty heavily, uh, but carbs are uh, very important for overall energy. I mean, your brain exclusively uses carbohydrates for energy. Uh, there's even, there's even a, an emergency system that your body will turn on in order to make you know, more glycogen, which is basically the, the or glucose, it, it's the, it's the processed form of carbs. Um, and carbs also make your thyroid healthy. Like this is your thyroid is the, is the master regulator of your, of your metabolic rate. So when you talk about someone who has a fast metabolism, we're talking about someone who has a very healthy thyroid and who's also able to process food and energy at a very high level, but carbohydrates quite literally support your thyroid and support your metabolic rate. So you definitely want carbohydrates. Um, and then fat, fat's important for overall hormonal health, like cholesterol, which also can get, get shit on all the time. <laughs> um, it is literally the building block of your hormones. Like cholesterol is important. Um, and that comes from fat. Now, in terms of like beyond, you know, beyond understanding like food as a whole, like not just from hopefully a, a like a deep understanding of their purpose, but also from an experience standpoint, like if you and I, Brevin, were to go out to, you know, if you were to come down to Austin and we were to, you know, hang out, there's probably going to be food involved, right? Like we're probably going to have some food, you know, oh, they're, they're like whether it's, be. <laughs> yeah, like whether it's pizza or maybe ramen, you know, whatever it is, like we're, we're going to have a good time. And food is not just about looking at it from a, you know, black and white science perspective, like, oh yeah, get your protein in or get your carbs in. It's also about sharing a memory, you know, like I'm going to probably remember, you know, having pizza with Brevin, you know what I mean? And that pizza is going to be fucking awesome because we're going to go to Home Slice, which is a, which is a great pizza joint. Um, but, you know, it's, it's also, again, about living, hopefully having good memories and having a happy life because that also plays a pretty distinct role in you becoming healthier and you becoming more fit. Um, you know, quite literally, if you were to compare two people who uh, one is like stressing out about what they're eating versus another one who's not, the one who's not stressing out about their food is going to digest that food way better than the person who is stressing out about it. And it's just, it makes, it makes a huge difference. And, and when we're talking about digestion, like that whole process is what that is, is literally your body taking the energy from the food and making sure the vitamins and minerals and whatever else comes with it is going to the proper places in your body. Like it's literally making sure that your systems are good, but if you're stressing the fuck out about food, that whole process is going to be a lot less efficient and that's not good. Um, so it's, it's really about again, eating more and also making sure you're eating food that you enjoy. And then at the same time, um, I would say that just allowing yourself, once you have energy, 
to naturally become stronger, naturally have more energy to do more things. Um, and I would say that is a huge component. Um, and Brevin, I'm going to be straight up with you. I forgot the rest of the question. <laughs> no, no, that, that was, that was it. That, that was great. It was, you answered everything perfectly. That was an amazing response. Actually, I, you took that in a direction that I absolutely love because food is, is in our society. Like people view it as like, oh, you should just have it as fuel. But like it, food is so much more than that to so many people, foods, holidays, events, birthdays, like it is part of our society, whether you like it or not. So you might as well learn how to enjoy it. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. I, I mean, I remember my grandma making some bomb ass salsa and beans and dude, like it brings back memories. Yeah. Like if I, if, I mean, it's, it's, it's a core memory and it's, it makes life much better when you enjoy yeah. food. Yeah. If you can't have that stuff, it just, it really diminishes your, your quality of life. And at that point, like what is the, what's the point of having a six pack or creating that, that I lost 20 pounds. Like what's the point of it at that point? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like those things that you mentioned, the six pack strength or whatever it is that you're focusing on. I mean, those are literal consequences of you being healthy and you being able to sustain that health. And it's not the, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. You totally could, you know, crash your way into that sort of thing. You totally could, you know, do a crash diet, do, do a very temporary, you know, I guess lifestyle where you're just annihilating yourself to get to that point and then maybe take a couple photos and then you you know if you can't stand it you're eventually going to lose it and, but it's also very possible to take a slower approach sustain it enjoy your time doing it and then guess what once you once you have you know health once you have fitness a certain level of fitness right and it's that and and i don't want to mis- misinterpret this um you know, having a six pack, being super lean, whatever that, you know, looks to you, um, that's not necessarily, you know, the optimal health, right? Like being lean and being strong, being capable, um, those things are, are typically consequences of being healthy, but having a raging six pack where there's like veins going up your, your abs and you know, stuff like that, um, that's you know that that's not as sustainable and and i and i that i mean it's a whole nother, that's a whole nother discussion but yeah yeah <laughs> it, 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 health can look many different ways i guess that that's the point I love that. That's a that's a fantastic quote, and I'm definitely going to use that on the podcast cover when I post this. Um, that was that's great. Um, so so one last thing I want to respect your time. One last one last question is, what are what are one two to three just like fitness myth misconceptions or or anything like that in the industry that you just wish people would throw away or or start to understand that it's not that way. Oh wow, a, a really say- open ended question. Yeah, no, this is great, man. Uh, I would say the first one, and I'm only going to use this one just because I think it's still um, probably pretty popular. I, I would say the weight scale is, um, or, or rather, I should say, focusing on weight loss as a whole, as like the primary focus, um, and maybe using the weight scale as a tool. Um, it's not as important as one may think. Um, so in other words, like if you're someone who equates the scale going down um, as like, oh yeah, this is great, I'm succeeding, uh, like literally all the time, you could open yourself up to potential heartache and potential confusion because 
when that scale doesn't go down, you know, does that mean you're losing? Does that mean you're going backward? Does that mean you're failing? No, not necessarily. Um, it, it's really more so about just it being an arbitrary number. Uh, I, I just remember having a goal weight uh, when I first started out. Um, I really, really loved Frank Zane. Frank Zane is a bodybuilder, and he was like a golden era bodybuilder. He's incredible, um, and he happened to be five ten or five nine, which is what I, which is what I am. And I started looking at his measurements, and I was like, "Oh shit, this guy's kind of close <laughs> to me." <laughs> and I remember thinking, "Well, fuck, if I if I can get to one ninety five because he's one hundred ninety five <laughs> pounds." Maybe I can look like him, and so and so, I started, you know, going to the gym, started eating. I was like, yeah, let's go. And I was watching that scale go up, and I was like, fuck yeah, let's, I'm getting closer. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day, I stepped on the scale, and I was 195. And I looked in the mirror, I was like, what no. the fuck? Like, I don't look like anything like him. <laughs> and I remember thinking, wow, that fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> no, that, that's real- funny. Yeah, and, and I realized, oh, okay, well, maybe, maybe the weight isn't as important as I thought it was. And, like, it isn't at all. Um, really, what, what's more important is, again, focusing on your, your physical symptoms and your mental symptoms and even emotional symptoms. Like, for example, if uh, your strength's going up, if reps are becoming smoother, if your energy levels are getting higher, or maybe staying more stable, uh, your mood is getting better. And maybe your mood's not fluctuating as much. Your clothes are fitting differently, better, right? They're getting maybe getting small in the waist and thicker in the in the peach, you know, whatever it may be. <laughs> like these are and maybe and just know like all these changes could be happening, and that scale may not even move. It may actually go up, and 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 that can be a huge mindfuck because if you're focused on the scale and you're having all these great changes, and you look at the number, you're like, what the fuck, you know, like. I'm, I'm losing like, no, you're not like, you're just your body, whatever ends up, you know, becoming and however it transforms and the day you make your transformation complete, whatever number you step on the scale, that's just, that's just the number you end up becoming like that. That's literally it. Um, but I would say the scale is just overhyped to a very high degree. I would say that one probably needs to die. Uh, I, have a, I have a really cool story um, and, and kind of a shout out to you guys, uh, you and Sarah for, for coaching. Um, so if any of you guys are listening, go, go hit them up. Uh, when I first started with you guys, I was 225 pounds. I had just come off losing a hundred pounds and I was, I looked in the mirror and I was like, what the dude, you, I do not look like you just lost a hundred pounds. You look just so skinny and like weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hit you guys up. Three months later, 225 pounds exactly still. All that happened was I increased my calories, trained really hard, and I was like, I still weigh, it blew my mind at the time. I was like, I still weigh 225 pounds, but you look at progress picture week one, progress picture picture week 12, and you're like, that's the same person. Like yeah. the scale is, is really is a mind fuck, but that was one of the coolest things that happened that that really changed my trajectory in my fitness journey was like going from 225 pounds of, of not looking like I've ever touched a barbell in my life to 225 pounds. And I was like, damn, you're actually kind of jacked. <laughs> oh man. I, I, I remember your progress was awesome. And that's just, it's, it's so good to know, like that we had that type of impact on you. Cause you know, it's like as a coach, you, you see the potential, yeah. but for you to see it, like it's for you, the person, like 
it's a whole other thing. It's 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 uh, that makes me so happy. I I love that Brevin. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. No. That, 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 I always I always talk about that whenever I hop on a podcast uh, or whenever I'm a guest is like that that point really changed a lot of things for me because I was like, all I want is to lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. And that's all I focused on. And you're like, no, no, we're going to increase calories. And I'm like, oh God, this dude might be crazy. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to get fat again. He's like, just go train. Three months later, I'm like, never mind. Dude's a genius. Yep. <laughs> Trust that, you. That, that gray bearded fuck. He didn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I was like, motherfucker, I just paid you money to tell me to eat more. I just lost weight. And then three months later, the scale's the same. And it's like, oh, damn, that actually that worked. That was cool. Yeah. It's crazy, right? That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I would say, uh, God, I'm trying to give another one. Um, wait, you wanted three? You wanted three? Th- well, we'll stick with two. Oh, okay, okay, sounds good. Okay, you got oh, one oh, more. Oh shit! Oh, oh one more. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, yeah, I do. Um, God, I would say the uh, the second one, probably the biggest one, uh, which I think I kind of talked about this already, so I apologize if I'm repeating myself. Is that it's gonna be more so not not be- believing that you don't believing that you have to go to the gym six days, seven days per week. Like that's not the case at all. Um, because again, if you're, if you're someone who's super busy and has kids or maybe have a crazy job and you're only able to literally go to the gym twice or three times per week, like you still absolutely can make ginormous progress. Um, and equating, you know, oh man, I'm only doing three days per week because versus say that guy that I know, or that gal that I know is doing six days per week. Like, don't pay attention to what other people are doing. Only, you know, quite literally, uh, not to say that you should, like, lock yourself in a box and not learn, but when it comes down to applying applying what you're trying – your goals and what you're trying to achieve to your, to your unique lifestyle, like, don't be afraid to be okay with having a path that's – and an approach that is perhaps completely different than, say, someone you know or perhaps what you're seeing – promoted online because at the end of the day really what we have to ask ourselves like is a general umbrella approach going to be more effective than one that is quite literally tailored to your unique lifestyle even if the one that's tailored to you is a lot less uh a lot less intensive than the one that's just a general umbrella um i think a lot of people will get caught up in that and believe that they're behind or believe that they're not they're just not capable because of their their schedule um but just know like when i say it's quality over quantity it really really is and and if you don't it's weird because i've been doing this for a long time and and and, you know when you when your whole like job is like literally putting your fucking face in a textbook and read it every day you know it's like you you you, you kind of you start to learn these things on a deeper level and it, it's it's just something that makes me cringe when i see just this kind of um just general paintbrush over like hey do this because this is the only way it's like no there's so many ways to do this and i think a lot of people um you know, or more people should be comfortable with trusting themselves and trusting with what they're truly capable of 
and going with it and allowing you to allowing yourself to be flexible because there is a huge difference between being just flat out lazy versus having again flexible discipline uh, because there's so many ways to do this and not not everyone's plans can look the same. I think that yep. would be the final one. I love that one because I get looked at all the time whenever people know like, oh, you're a coach, you power lift. And I'm like, yeah, I work out four days a week. They're like, what? Because like yeah. when I first started with you, I was lifting six or seven days a week and you were like, nah, you're going to lift four. And I'm like, mm. I was like, oh, okay, this, this actually works again. This dude, this dude knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's hard. It's mentally hard. Yeah. I will say like, it's, it's like, oh, cause you love it. You, you get, you kind of get addicted to the endorphin mm-hmm. rush, but like you got, you got to ask yourself, what's what's more important? Is it you acutely feeling a certain way, or is it you actually progressing? Because that yeah. they're two two different things. And that's I always tell people is like I would rather see the progress and know that I'm progressing than like just beat the shit out of myself for an hour to two every day and like get that small little rush. Thank you so much for joining us, man. That was that was a really amazing episode. It's super cool to be able to have you on. Where can people find you? Yeah, dude. Well, first off, thank you for having me on. It, it was awesome, you know, talking and catching up. Uh, yeah. But seriously, if you if you do come to Austin, we're, we're, we are going to go to Home Slice. Uh, oh, pizza. dude, I'm it's, down. <laughs> I love pizza. <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. Um, but if you if you do want to follow me, uh, I'm on Instagram at Kenny Lipton, like the iced tea. Um, so it's just it's just like L I P T O N. Um, it, you'll find me there, and then full effort coaching as well. Um. And then, yeah, uh, you, you'll find my wife as well. Uh, she's a she's a coach with me. She's at Sarah SL Fit. But yeah, we're 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 primarily we're entirely online. Um, but yeah, we're always happy to answer questions and yeah, nerd out or whatever. <laughs> they definitely were. I used to ask them questions all the time, and I'd get responses from both of them. It was like, damn, this is awesome. But I will link all of that in the show notes, um, so they can go ahead and find you. If you guys are not already following, go ahead and follow them. Sarah will be on the show next week as well, so you guys will get to hear from her. She's very, very smart and amazing as well. Thank you again for having us or for joining us. It was really, really a pleasure. Oh, absolutely, man. Thank you, Brevin. It, it was, it was sure. awesome. See ya. All right, see you, dude. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast. If you enjoy the show and find it helpful, I'd love it if you would share it on your story so I can thank you for listening and leave a five-star rating review to help the podcast grow and allow me to impact more lives. As always, feel free to reach out with any questions or anything and anyone that you want to see on the show. Thanks again for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast.